All right, so uh, the thing about recording podcasts is things aren't perfect, you know? They're just not, and uh, I mentioned it towards the end of the episode, how Woj was firing tweets off, and, you know, things are going to change, and the intricacies are going to happen, so that's why I'm not getting too deep into specifics. And what happens as soon as I hit stop recording? Woj bomb. God damn it, Woj, I just finished recording. Don't you have respect for a man's sleep? I mean, anyways. Anyways, I'm going to keep it quick here, but you'll hear me talk during the pod about Clint Capella specifically and about how the Atlanta Hawks could really use a guy like Clint Capella. So shout out me for not being stupid and kind of getting that right. But nonetheless, Woj hit, hit us with an actual trade. So my hypotheticals, not irrelevant, and the thought behind them still strong, I hope, but uh, actual trade announced by Adrian Wojnarowski, 12.18 a.m. Wednesday morning. I thought I was done, but here I am. So here we go. Here's the trade. The Houston Rockets will get Robert Covington, which I also spoke about, so that theory is still strong. Atlanta Hawks get Clint Capella, NNA. The Minnesota Timberwolves get Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Atlanta first-round pick via the Nets, and the Denver Nuggets get Gerald Green and a Houston first-round pick. So God damn it, there it is. Uh, so when you listen to the rest of this podcast, I do not speak of the Clint Capella to the Hawks as for certain because it did not happen yet, as well as Robert Covington to the Rockets for certain because it did not happen yet. But I think the theories of this podcast are still very strong, so I hope you can still enjoy it, uh, even though this trade just broke uh, after I finished recording, hopping back into the front to tell you about it and to keep you up to date. But that's cool. Like I also mentioned in the pod, not super-duper game-breaking trades here, but nice pieces, moving around, changing some teams, changing some vibes around the league. I think it's interesting. I think we're going to have more trades like this before the deadline on Thursday. But nonetheless, this pod's going to include Knicks talk, Mills, Perry, Marcus Morris, all the players on the Knicks, D'Angelo Russell, all the different trade talks I could think of, the ideas behind building a championship contender, amongst much, much more NBA and NBA trade deadline talk. So hopefully you can enjoy it. Here it is, Sports Blog Nerd Podcast. New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the SBNY podcast on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, anywhere to listen to podcasts. If you like what you've been hearing, don't be bashful. Subscribe, rate, review. Don't forget to turn those notifications on on your Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen so you know when the latest Sports Blog New York podcast is out. And today, a big one, as the news broke uh, Tuesday afternoon or late morning. I forget exactly when it was, but Nonetheless, Steve Mills out as team president for the New York Knicks. I mean, a day that Knicks fans have been waiting for, have been longing for for some time, and I think more so than ever recently, since the offseason and free agency, since it seemed that with all the firings, David Fisdale, even back to Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek, everyone else in between, all the trades that we may have liked, not liked, signings we liked, didn't like. 
there was one person who remained, even after Phil Jackson, and that was Steve Mills. And a lot of Knicks fans became restless. Why does this man seemingly get a pass year in, year out? Well, now the pass is over. Steve Mills is gone. And as many Knicks fans rejoice, there is a weirdness to this moment because, yes, we're all excited about that and hopefully turning a new leaf, maybe finding a great leader that we've been searching for to bring this team from the gutter. But this firing takes place just two days before the trade deadline, just over 48 hours before the trade deadline. A very big one, too. The trade deadline is a very important time for rebuilding teams. You flip the assets you have. You try to get young players. You try to get picks. Maybe you try to do uh, pull off a trade where your team does get better right away. There's a lot of ways you can attack the trade deadline, but for a team that has 14 wins at this point of the season, it's a time to strike. It's a time to set your el- yourself up for future success and maybe even some current success, depending on the angle in which you go. And did we trust Steve Mills to make these decisions? I don't think we did. And I think that's why Knicks fans, for the most part, were able to rejoice on Tuesday afternoon. But there's a little piece of everybody who says, wait a minute, two days before the deadline? I guess better late than never. I guess better a little early than late. But nonetheless, a weird moment now where we have to now say, okay, Steve Mills is out. Scott Perry is the interim. Is this good? Will he make the right decisions? Will Dolan allow him to make the right decisions? And then most importantly, who takes his place moving forward? And who becomes the new leader, the new face of this franchise, not on the court? Because even though Mike Miller's, um, you know, fast start slowed down quite some bit, I think the -the on-the-court product has been more pleasant to watch, to follow, to root for since Mike Miller took over. And like I said, even though it slowed down from the beginning, there's a lot of good things you can point to uh, amongst other bad things because, like I said, 14 and 30-something, I can get the exact record. So when you turn to Twitter and you turn to your friends and your group chats and your coworkers talking about this situation, there's a happiness But how happy could one get when the direction is still unclear? There's a lot of things that were talked about with the Knicks today. Some of which I was liking what I hear. Some of which I get frustrated. All of which I will get into. But the first thing I need to touch on is the rumor that started within moments after the Steve Mills firing was announced about Masai Ujiri. Now, don't get this twisted at all, because to have Masai Ujiri running the New York Knicks would make me a happy man. It would make me a very happy man, and it should make all Knicks fans very happy. But is it realistic? Is it another rumor that we are just getting thrown at us, fed this hope that we have lived on as Knicks fans for the past seven years? I think it is. Because is it realistic to imagine Masai Ujiri not only leaving a 
top tier organization that's on a 11 game win streak with young players and some veterans alike who have pushed this team to be a top team in the league not just the eastern conference forget about all that right because Masai Ujiri would have to decide to leave a team and an organization that's seemingly doing all the things right just won a championship right forget all about all that for a hot second there's logistical problems with thinking that Masai Ujiri will become the next president or general manager, whatever you want to call it, team president of the Knicks. For starters, this man's under contract. And the Raptors, in these rumors or in these talks, whatever you want to call them, I like to just say rumors because we don't know what's truly true. They seem adamant that if Masai were to leave and the Knicks were to court him in, draft picks better be on the table. Now, is that something we really want to do to start off our savior, our team president, our new general manager uh, by losing some picks that we definitely need? I don't know if that's a great thing. And whether I think it's great or not, and whether I think Masai is worth a first round pick or two second round picks or whatever it is, I think he might be. That's an argument I can get into in a moment. But is it realistic? Or are we just feeding into the hope that we've lived off of for the past 7, 15, 20 years that is unrealistic, unattainable, and frankly not going to happen. Now, I saw Knicks fans on Twitter today getting all hyped up, and I have friends who are texting Masai to the Knicks, and then Giannis comes when he's a free agent because that connection. Like, are we going to just do that to ourselves again? I can't imagine that being a good idea. Think back to one year ago right now. One year ago, right now, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, seemingly locks to become New York Knicks. I mean, KD was healthy, killing it. All the rumors were swirling. Kyrie Irving, healthy-ish, not particularly killing it, but still Kyrie Irving and unhappy in his place. They were Knicks, right? The Knicks had uh, future odds to win the next title, this year's title, to be like top 10 in the league. And that's where we were one year ago, living off these rumors. Do we not learn anything? Do the Knicks not ever, or do the Knicks fans not ever look at the past five, seven years and all the rumors we've endured and all the change in the front office that we've endured and the head coach that we endured and not learn a thing? Because that's what I'm seeing. And like I said a couple minutes ago, Boy, would I be absolutely thrilled if Masai Ujiri became the president. But do I have any base in reality if I think it's going to happen? I don't think so. Now, is there another perfect candidate out there? Absolutely not. Just based off of what have they been saying um, with the two different agents that they're they're looking at, one's named Andrew Brown from CAA. Like, maybe that's a good route. I, I don't hate that route at all. But the perfect candidate's not out there because he's under contract with a team that is paced to be a playoff and championship contender again. So I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to sit here and get my hopes way too high again and again and get burned again and again. I was with you guys last year. I thought Kevin Durant was going to be a Nick. Now, who knows if the injury played effect to it? Who knows if the Kyrie Irving thing really swung his opinion? We'll we'll never know. 
All we know is that the Knicks ended up with Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, none of which are Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. So if you want to go get hyped up, you want to feed into the hype, have some fun on Twitter, go ahead. But if you want to talk to me in reality about who I think is going to be the next president of the New York Knicks, don't start bringing Masai Ujiri's name into it until we get some serious evidence that it's possible. Because I'm not doing it again. It's not fair to Knicks fans to go to put ourselves through this. But it's what we know as a fan base. It's what we've been through as a fan base. And maybe that's just who we are. People just feeding on hope, waiting for our Savior to show up at the door. But maybe they never will show up. Maybe we'll be like this forever. And it sucks to say. It sucks to bring it out like that and to come out with that point. But it's how I feel. And it's how I believe it will go down. And to be honest, the name that I hardly even want to say out loud, but I will because there's a podcast and no one really cares, but it's a little hypocritical because it's the same concept on the rumor front that I just hated on with Masai Ujiri, but... Daryl Morey, just saying, Daryl Morey. Talk about him a little later, kind of, with the Clint Capella-Houston Rockets trade scenarios, but Daryl Morey could possibly be not very happy in Houston right now with the new ownership and him being neutered a little bit as the, you know, free-swinging GM that he's been. So if there's a guy out there who could be that ideal candidate, Daryl Morey comes to mind. And I think that's just about as a long shot as Masai. And he may be more likely to be fired and therefore available. So not to get crazy, not to get rumors. No one cares what I say, but Daryl Morey, think about it. And all of that brings us to the point I opened up with. We're now, as I record this, late on Tuesday night, and you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're within 24 hours or so of the trade deadline. So can we at least put pause on the Masai Ujiri stuff? I mean, it's lovely, right? It's a great idea. I think it's not like the most impossible thing that can happen. Crazier things have happened in sports where somebody is with a team and they decide to leave. I mean, hell, Jason Kidd, basically swamped his his year with the Brooklyn Nets to be able to get fired or to step down as the coach to go to Milwaukee and coach Giannis, right? So like crazy things happen in this league all the time. So it's not the craziest thing in the world to think he can be the president of the New York Knicks. But in this moment where we have a trade deadline that's very, very important, just less than a day ahead of us, can we just put that talk on pause? Is that too much to ask? Because I don't know about you guys, but it's frustrating to me to see Knicks fans over and over again get their hopes up so high just to not ever see it come to fruition. It's rough. So let's do something here together as a fan base, and let's get behind Steve Perry, not Steve Perry, Scott Perry for the next 24 hours, and whoever the hell else is helping him with these tough decisions, because it's not easy. There are some tough decisions to be made. But my guess 
and my hope with Steve Mills being fired right now, the timing of it all tells me that people in the organization or people who can get in Dolan's ear, maybe even Scott Perry himself, who knows, but somebody got to Dolan and said, this guy ain't it. You may have kind of known it before. You definitely know it now. He's not the guy to make the call. And if you think about all the other general managers around, around the league, can you really imagine these people calling up Steve Mills and having the utmost respect for him? I mean, the, the Porzingis trade aside, because, you know, for the Knicks with the star who does not want to be there, maybe you have to cut your loss a little bit, right? So put that aside. But with everything else, with the way free agency went, with the way the rumors swirl, with the way these trade talks have gone up until yesterday, is Steve Mills a guy that other people around the league respect and want to work with, or they just want to dwindle and swindle, not dwindle? I mean, Masai Ujiri himself has taken advantage of the Knicks' lack of competency over and over again. You think that's going to change, right? So maybe it's not ideal that we fire Steve Mills two days before the deadline. But it's a good step. And I think we're all good to be happy about this. But let's put the pipe dream on pause. Get behind Perry for now and let the Knicks figure out who's running their team in the future in the future. All right? I don't think it's too much to ask. But that brings me to the next points of all of this, right? What the hell are the Knicks going to do in the next 24 hours? How are they going to make this team set up for a better future? Maybe a little bit better right now, which is unlikely uh, the angle. But what are they going to do to better themselves as an organization tomorrow than they were yesterday? The one step that has already been taken is the leader who no one trusted is no longer the leader. But here's the tough part. You have all these guys who have one year guaranteed with the rest of it team control. That includes Marcus Morris, Alfred Payton, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, uh, Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington. All these guys are basically on rentals unless we want to keep them. It's something that I kind of praised during the summer. I said, you know what? If you strike out on these big guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Kemba and whatever, at least we're not bound to tons of money for the long-term future. Now, Julius Randle has uh, basically a three-year deal. And we I think we were all okay with that too. And he hasn't proven to be spectacular. He hasn't proven to be an all-star. Like maybe, you know, I thought he had a chance to, to maybe get near. But... He's still a guy who is a commodity around the league, who's young, who has talent, clearly, and can do some things. But what happens from here? I named all the guys who are a little more veteran type, who are on the one-and-one deals with the team option. Then you have the other guys, the young guys. The guys who, depending on who you ask, may have the biggest stand in the world or the biggest hater in the world. And that includes Frank Neal Aquina, Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., to a lesser extent, Damian Dotson, and the one person who's seemingly untouchable for the Knicks in Mitchell Robinson. Now, I don't think Mitch is getting brought up in many trade talks, but his name is important to add because other teams, when they want to swindle the Knicks, will bring him up. 
And when D'Angelo Russell and the Warriors are trying to make that move, they're saying, yeah, yeah, we'll take a first-round pick. Uh, and also throw in Mitchell Robinson. And will Steve Mills throw him in? I don't think he would have. But uh, I'm more confident that Mr. Perry and hopefully whoever becomes the new leader would not even consider it. But what do the Knicks have to do here? Is it all about gaining future assets? Maybe getting another, uh, you know, lottery pick who hasn't really quite panned out like Malik Monk? Is that the, uh, the guy, the move that we want to make? Or is it the guy who has made an all-star team, who is making 20-plus million dollars a year, who has the ability to put in 25 points a night in D'Angelo Russell? What's the route we want to go? All that comes down to is who do we want to part ways with? And that's where it gets really tricky. And I tweeted about it last night on my Twitter, at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. I haven't been able to figure out this whole rooting for Marcus Morris thing. I really haven't. He's kind of a frustrating guy to watch because... On one hand, he's allergic to passing. I mean, the guy does not like to pass at all. He likes to shoot, but he's kind of good at shooting. He's a closer. He's pretty efficient, and he has single-handedly turned quarters around and possibly won the Knicks games like he did against Cleveland the other night where he scored, I think, 10 out of 13 points or 10 out of 12 points in the fourth quarter to spark a comeback and win, and that was his second stellar fourth quarter in a row. But then I watch him, and I'm like, oh, oh pass, pass. Oh, oh, bad shot. Oh, good, he made it. Like, I don't know what to think when watching Marcus Morris. But one thing I think I do know is that he's not the future of this team. Steve Mills, uh, Knicks, were talking pretty heavily about not trading Marcus Morris and being steadfast about re-signing him in the summer because he has emerged as a leader and perhaps the best player on the team. Now, I'm not going to argue the fact that he has emerged as a leader or the best player because that can very very well be true. But when you're 14 and a whole lot of losses, does Marcus Morris really move the needle? I don't think you can say that. Now, if the Knicks were angling this whole thing to say, oh, we're re-signing Marcus Morris in the summer. He's not uh, on our trade block. We don't want to get rid of him. If they're angling that just to, you know, steep up his value and get a bigger return when they do decide to trade him, kudos. And I tip my hat to whoever decided to do that in the Knicks front office. But I can't imagine Steve Mills being that keen or that cunning to figure that out and pull it off effectively with the way the rumors swirl around the New York Knicks. How is Marcus Morris not on the trade block? In my opinion, there should be two people not on the trade block, and that's Mitchell Robinson and the one other person who you decide he should be here next year. And if you think that's Julius Randle, I'm cool with it. If you think it's Frank Nilakina, I'm cool with it. If you think it's Kevin Knox, I'm okay with it. If you think it's Alfred Payton, you know I wouldn't be that mad about it because he's been playing damn well. But the moral of the story is everybody on this team, not named Mr. Robinson or that one other guy who I'll give you, I'll give you as a cushion, whether it's Randall, Frank, Knox, or whatever, every single person on this team should be available. Leading with Marcus Morris. Leading with Marcus Morris. Followed by Bobby Portis. 
followed by Reggie Bullock. Because those guys can help teams. A guy like Reggie Bullock hasn't been, you know, in the best situations ever where he's been on a winning team. He was on the Lakers for a hot second before they got rid of him, and he never really got a chance to get settled in there. But when he was on Detroit a couple years ago, guy was effective. And now I'm not saying he can really flip a switch, you know, like Marco Bellinelli can. When Marco Bellinelli was bought out and the Sixers picked him up and he added something to that team that was invaluable, further than the stat sheet, further than the plus minus and the win shares. He stretched out the defense and made shots. Reggie Bullock can do some of those things. Bobby Portis, similarly. I don't think either of those guys are great, but there are definitely teams out there who can use those guys. And that's the lesser of, of, the, of the two. Because Marcus Morris is, is a commodity. And now granted, he's not an amazing defender. He's solid. He's okay. But he's a bucket getter. And if he's on a team with leadership, you can see him in a playoff series playing meaningful minutes. Now, do I think that the Lakers could use him or are going to go for him? Not sure if it's the perfect fit, but it's been some rumors. Same with the Clippers. But there are teams out there who can use a guy who can shoot pretty damn efficiently, can help out rebounding, is no slouch defending, and with the right leadership in place, his ball hogness may not affect it the way it would when he needs to be a 20-point-a-game guy like he does with the Knicks in order for them to even remotely compete. But what I come back to about this entire Knicks situation is unless you're angling away to jack up Morris's trade value, he best be on the block. So I don't know if you love Morris, you hate Morris or what, but if you don't think he should be on the block and you think he's a part of this team's future by the time they actually get good, if we can imagine that time, you got to watch him more closely because he's not a spring chicken. He's not super young. He is who he is. Who he is is a talented player who would be amazing in a sixth, seventh man role who would be solid in a fourth best starter role. He's a real player, but he should definitely be on the trading block. But with a guy like D'Angelo Russell or Clint Capella, two other people who are, you know, very much rumored right now around the league, a part of trade talks and et cetera, it leads us to a larger discussion about how to build an NBA team. The Knicks don't know how to do it. <laughs> so maybe being a Knicks fan, I am. Maybe I'm not the guy. But no, I watch enough other teams, as you know, listening to this podcast. I think I have an idea. There's a fundamental value that each team possesses. A lot of people think it's a point guard league, and it's really important to possess that point guard who can break down the defense, who can carry an offense, who doesn't get picked on on defense. Um and is the star of your team who really controls the pace, who controls the flow, controls everything. That's not something I particularly think is 100% true. I, I really think of the NBA as much more of a wing league. If you think about the game breakers in the NBA, you don't think as much about Chris Paul and even Russell Westbrook or, you know, to a lesser extent, Damian Lillard. I think he's a little closer to the people I'm about to, to name. When you think about the true game breakers in the NBA, you think about wings who can dominate physically, can dominate with the ball, without the ball, and on defense. You think of 
uh, LeBron James, obviously. You think of Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and then even Paul George, Anthony Davis, those types of guys, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Even a guy like Ben Simmons, who's not in that echelon, when you see him, you know, putting away the shooting for a second, you know he can dominate physically on both ends. He can get to his places. He's not going to be bullied because we've seen time and time again guys like uh, Steph Curry and Chris Paul and, like I said, to a lesser extent, Dame Lillard, but get a little bit overmatched with physicality or get run down or get injured. The point guards are amazing in this league, and they're important, and it's necessary to be very good there. But thinking about the last champions, even the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, the MVPs were Durant and Iguodala. Wings, who can control physicality, who can do it on both ends. And that's what I think is so important. Even a guy like Pascal Siakam, who has that physicality to his game, where he can get to the rim, can get to the line, it's incredibly important. So when you think about D'Angelo Russell, because he doesn't fit even the Steph Curry, uh, you know, prime Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Ilk. I didn't mention Harden before, but I probably could have with either the point guard or the wing group. He's kind of in between. But D'Angelo Russell is clearly an echelon below that, right? That doesn't mean he's not a championship player. It does mean, however, he's not a championship star. So if you're a team out there, whether you're the Knicks or the Warriors or the Timberwolves or another team that is interested in his services, and you don't think he can be the best player on a championship team, that's okay, because he's not. But he very much well can be the second or third best guy on a championship team. And even though the Warriors absolutely stink this year, you have been able to see D'Angelo Russell do some other things offensively where he got this ball hog label as the Nets point guard last year, but he's really not just that guy. He's a great gifted passer. He can play off the ball. He can spot up, and he knows what to do offensively. Now, defensively, he's not great. But this guy's important on a team, any team that he's on. Any team that he's a part of, he's important. So, at first, I'm thinking about D'Angelo Russell, and I was having a conversation with two guys on Twitter, my guys, Scott Wagonblast and Jimbo. You know, why would the Knicks give up Knox and Frank and... Uh, Portis or end Morris and whoever to fill the cap space plus picks. I'm like, that seems like way too much because the Warriors just want to get under the luxury tax, right? But as the Minnesota Timberwolves trade talk dwindles with which Woj reported uh, last night, Tuesday night, the Warriors are staying true to their asking price. They are not giving an inch on that. They want picks and assets as well as, uh, you know, luxury tax or salary cap relief. It seems like a heavy ask. But what that tells me is the Warriors are okay if they don't trade D'Angelo Russell. They're okay with that. They probably look at Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green and say, you know what? He can add something that is hard to find. An offensive punch, an ability to do multiple things on offense, and our team defense could be good enough to where he doesn't really hold us back in that regard. So if I'm the Warriors, the more I think about this, ask for the world. Ask for the great return. Ask for the pick and the asset and the relief on the salary cap. Because you know what? If you end up out of the end of this with D'Angelo Russell, that's still a positive 
positive thing to have on your franchise. Because I'm, I'm sitting there as a Knicks fan. I'm like, what the? Why would we give up all that stuff? Or the Timberwolves? Why would you give up picks and players and salary? Take on more cap? Like, what are you? What are you thinking? But unfortunately, when the team has the commodity, you know, what do the Warriors want? Realistically, they want to get under the tax, right? But they have the piece that is stirring this pot right here. They have D'Angelo Russell. They don't need to get rid of him. And the more these trade talks uh, get talked about and some of the rumors uh, become real and then get turned off as the trade talks dwindle, it's just telling me one thing. The Warriors are okay with keeping D'Angelo Russell. A lot of people thought when he went over with the sign-and-trade for Durant that it was simply for future trade purposes. I'm not so sure of that anymore. And that's why, if I'm the Knicks, I, I tread lightly in that trade discussion because before you know it, you're going to be sending off too much for a player who is very good. But like we just mentioned, he's not the guy. He's not the star, but he is one of those guys. He is one of your stars. And I think the Warriors are realizing that. And I'm not sure if that sets up the Timberwolves. Maybe it does because they have talent. But if it sets up the Knicks to do anything, I don't know what it is other than to be slightly better than they are with still no true leading star. So I tread lightly on the D'Angelo Russell discussion if I'm the New York Knicks. But back to that overarching point of how to build a championship team. With the point guards and the wings, leave the centers, right? And this is where it gets interesting and kind of intricate on a team basis. Clint Capella is on the Houston Rockets. He has been a part of a couple fantastic winning regular seasons a few nice playoff runs in which they had two realistic chances to beat the Golden State Warriors. One more realistic than the other, but both very realistic chances. But that becomes very specific to the team. Now the Rockets are confusing here because we don't really know at this point how much Daryl Morey has the autonomy that he once did with this new owner in Houston. But we do know that they're interested in moving off Clint Capella because they think they can get low-end production out of a center that equals enough with the wing they want in return to get to the same uh, you know, end point they would have with just Clint Capella. But one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? So for a team like the Boston Celtics or a team like the Atlanta Hawks, Clint Capella is an invaluable commodity. Because the Celtics, you know, they're throwing around Daniel Tice and they're throwing around Enos Cantor, and it's getting the job done in the regular season. But what happens when the Celtics look around at their biggest and baddest competition? You see the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, the Toronto Raptors, the Miami Heat, and even, let's throw in the Indiana Pacers. All of those teams are very good around the rim. Joel Embiid, amazing around the rim when uh, the Sixers get in the ball and they don't have four guys clogging up the paint, (laughs) nonetheless. Giannis, our most elite around-the-rim offensive player we have seen since Shaquille O'Neal. 
Pascal Siakam, probably a poor man's Giannis at this point. The shooting is better than Giannis, but the around the rim is not quite as good. But most of Siakam's damage is done around the rim. Jimmy Butler, a guy who can shoot, but a guy who does his damage around the rim, along with Bam Adebayo, the other, the other great player on the Heat right now. Even Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis on the Pacers. Those guys get to the rim, attack, and make plays. So for the Houston Rockets and the way they like to play basketball, maybe they don't see the need to keep Clint Capella, who gets played off the court against some of these uh, perimeter-oriented teams. Maybe they don't think Clint Capella can hang with Nikola Jokic if they do get um, locked up with one of those teams in the playoffs. But for the Boston Celtics, to see Joel Embiid, to see Giannis, to see those guys who live around the rim and eat around the rim, he becomes more and more valuable. And that's why it's so freaking hard to come up with one formula. We always say it's a copycat league in football, in basketball, in everything. But unfortunately, it's not true. You can't do that. You can't just see what the other best teams did and do the exact same thing. And that's where it becomes so matchup-oriented. And that's why it's so strange to see a guy like Clint Capella, who I think, you know, no one thought was a superstar. No one expected to be All-NBA or an All-Star. But a guy who was very much respected and effective at what he did, rim running, rebounding, and defensively. But one man's trash is another man's treasure. Back in the Houston Rockets series, they were some of their most, they played some of their most effective basketball with P.J. Tucker, basically, as their center. P.J. Tucker's like 6'5", yo, 6'6". That doesn't, does that work uh, for 82 games? Probably not. But if they think they can get league average value at center and up that wing so it's not just P.J. Tucker and not just Austin Rivers and Eric Gordon running around with Harden and Westbrook, I think they're looking at that as a win. So I think if you're the Celtics, you can capitalize on that. Package up some of your young guys, Romeo Lankford, if you can get away without getting rid of Marcus Smart, which who's like seemingly the lifeblood of that team, you go for it. I think currently the other team that I'm talking about, I'm trying to check Twitter here as we go too because Woj is rapid-firing tweets as I record this podcast late Tuesday night about 11.35, uh, 11.40 p.m., the Hawks are the other team that's involved here, and they're trying to wield a three-team deal where Robert Covington can get sent to Houston because that's what Houston's looking for, yo. Like I said, they're trying to get that wing versatile, can defend, can shoot, can spread the floor to give up some of that rim running and rebounding and realistically rim protection that you would get from, from Clint Capella. But the Hawks, to think about Clint Capella with them, I mean, that can do wonders. That can do absolutely great things for Clint Capella. I mean, for Trey Young and for the Hawks. Does it make them a title team? Absolutely not. Does it make them a playoff team? Maybe not even that. But for the Hawks to get from where they are, a 15-win team right now, to that 35-win team that we all expected them to be this year, where they weren't quite a playoff team, but they're getting there, and they're showing that progress. And clearly John Collins is good, but he's not a true big can Clint Capella help them get from bad to only a little bad to average to slightly better? And then next year, add more pieces, add more experience, add more depth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's damn interesting. And that's why this time of year just gets everybody 
absolutely in a tizzy because the way people value players sometimes to me is too much so in a vacuum. And that goes with your own team, with other teams. You know, when like when you look at a guy like Clint Capella and you see how he can't play in certain series, when you know he can't hang with the Warriors small ball, that doesn't mean the Hawks wouldn't absolutely kill to have that type of presence for 82 games when they're trying to just gain, uh, gain some respect in this league. Another team that has gained some respect in this league, the Memphis Grizzlies. And yeah, they've also stirred the pot in this league the past couple of days as well, huh? With Andre Iguodala. Now, if you've watched the Warriors and Andre Iguodala over the past couple of years, you may, you may have thought something the same. And not, let me say not past couple of years, but the past year or so. Has he still got it? Is he still that guy? Is he still a finals MVP? Like, is it just me or is he making it seem... Like, you know, he is the missing link still to some championship contender. Now, granted, am I saying he's going to go and, you know, bust the chance for the Lakers to win a championship? Absolutely not. He's not going to hurt your odds. Maybe he'll win it by way of veteran leadership. But did, did he really gain enough clout in his life at this age, at 36, where his body clearly wasn't what it was once was? To just be like, nah, I'm good on Memphis. How cool of Memphis to turn this season into a win already where they're basically crushing their over-under for the year. They're in the playoffs as we speak. Now, granted, the Trailblazers are screaming up at them despite getting smoked by Denver Tuesday night. Like, did Andre Higuodala really earn that at 36? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's a weird concept to me for a guy like that who was on the downside of his career for, you know, the Warriors to basically just be like, sorry, Andre. It's been real, but uh, you're making too much. This ain't worth it for either of us, you know? Go go to Memphis. Now he's like, nah, yeah, I'm good. I, I mean, I'll just I'll take my money, but, like, you better buy me out or trade me to the team I want or else I'm not showing up. Like, all right, don't show up then. That's cool. And that's why I really respect what Memphis has done, both on the court and front office-wise. Like, they're standing pat on this, and I like that because what what are what is Memphis going to get out of this? Are they going to end up? You know, the salaries have to match on trades enough for it to work out. What are they going to do? They're going to take a one-year expiring and get a second-round pick? Who ca- who cares? Memphis, stand pat. Make your trade. Don't buy him out. Rub it in his face when you're in the playoffs and he's still sitting on his couch on TNT trying to talk smack about Memphis. I love that, man. I mean, if you're a fan of Memphis, obviously you loved it, but if you're a fan of this league from a competitive standpoint, like, you got to get jacked up seeing those comments from Dylan Brooks and John Morant. And now, granted, I think they handled it well, and obviously the part that was most juicy got brought up the most and got aggregated the most. Dylan Brooks was like, word, listen, he doesn't want to be here. At first, we were like, yo, that's like, what's up with that? Like, why does he not want to be playing with us and, and, and growing with us on the court? He's like, but then screw him. Who cares? We're out here playing. We're out here grinding. We're trying to win. Like, you know, we'll, our first time I saw him was on TV talking about us. And you know what? We're cool with that. Let him let him be on his own. Let him do his thing. That was awesome. If you're a fan of competitive basketball and competition in the world of sports, like that is the thing you want to see the most. So I don't know what the hell's going to happen with Iguodala, to be honest. But like, if you're the Lakers, what are you giving up? What are you giving up? You giving up Danny Green? No. 
yeah, I'm sure you'd give up Contavious call up hope. I guess, I guess, you know, but like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is a sports blog, New York podcast. I'm going to finish up in just a minute. Uh, not a super long one here, but long enough as I do tend to do on my solo podcast here. You know, I, I do just like to talk. I like to get it off my chest. I like to be, you know, present in front of the mic with you guys just talking how I think about all this stuff. So hopefully you're appreciating it. And if you do, obviously, you know, I love nothing more than getting a little rating review from you guys on Apple Podcasts app. It means the world. Yeah, I see that stuff and it really, really makes me excited uh, when I when I know that you guys are out there listening and interacting. So definitely if you have a moment, I, I much appreciate it. But my uh, my last two points are going to be about, about this. So we might have a little bit of a low-key trade deadline here. You know, there's a possibility that the biggest name traded is Robert Covington. And he's a guy who, prototypical 3 and D, the the term you get, uh, you know, you hear getting thrown around all the time, but that's really what he is. You know, he doesn't do much off the dribble. He can shoot decently. He's a decent shooter. He's not quite the defender he was post-surgeries and whatnot, but he's a solid, solid player. I'm sure the Rockets would love to have him. I'm sure a bunch of other teams would love to have him for the right price. And I think what's happening here, and this is my second to last point, is the NBA as a whole is more afraid to lose trades now than ever. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. For the drama of the league's sake, I think it's a bad thing. I don't think we're going to get a blockbuster trade this year. I think based off the way the cap is set up right now, um, the way a lot of contracts were handed out in the past couple of years, I think we're going to see middle of the road at best guys get moved around. There doesn't seem to be that one star who's upset enough or at the point of his contract enough to demand that trade. You know, we assume in the future it could be a Devin Booker or a Carl Anthony Towns uh, or a, or an Embiid or Ben Simmons. The biggest name we obviously have is kind of D'Angelo Russell. But as I, uh, you know, talked about before, I have a strong feeling now. I have this inkling here that Warriors are going to say, you better give us the world because if not, we're happy to keep this guy. So I don't know if it's good or bad for the teams around the league to be risk-averse and to not take a swing. But I think what we're going to see is teams from about 10 or 11 through the top of the uh, each conference, so teams who are in the playoffs or right outside the playoffs, making smaller moves to get incrementally better and to increase their chance to win a little bit, but they're not going to give up the world. They're not going to give up a load of picks. They're not going to make splashy blockbuster moves. And for me on this podcast, that's unfortunate. For all of us on NBA Twitter, slightly unfortunate. So I don't know if there's going to be some crazy trade, but there is going to be movement. There is going to be slight movement, maybe some picks being sent around, some seconds and some late firsts. Um, but basically my point is don't expect some big blockbuster stuff. I'll be locked in. I'll be listening to Woj and Low. I'll be listening to uh, you know all the podcasts, all the TV shows, all the talk about the deadline and what's could, what could be, what should be, what could not happen. Uh, one name I forgot is Dennis Schroeder. Uh, but if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, do you need, do you need more picks? <laughs> like, do you need more? You have more picks now than you could probably even fit on a roster by the time that they all get taken. So I don't know if trading Schroeder, who is a 19-point-a-game guy this year, that Thunder are 10 games above 500, 
Like, I don't know if that's even worth it. And that's my point here. Like, if the Thunder aren't willing to trade Dennis Schroeder because there's not a big enough return or they have enough assets for the future, what are we really going to get? We're going to get Robert Covington to the Rockets. That's a nice win for the Rockets, but it's not that exciting. We're going to get Clint Capella to Boston. That'll be pretty exciting because Boston's good, but it's not going to be game-breaking, you know, blockbuster trades. I think that's all right. Another name I forgot to mention that I I want to throw out there is Drew Holiday, another guy who it would be exciting if he moved to a team like the Nuggets or a team like uh, maybe just the Nuggets. (laughs) I mean, he's a really good player. I can't imagine team like Drew Holiday. I mean, the Heat would probably be pretty interested in Drew Holiday, but who do they have to trade? What space do they have to work with? Do the Pelicans really want to get rid of Drew Holiday, who is a very good player, and the Pelicans are playing a lot better? So I don't know. I think there's just enough room in the standings for teams like the Pelicans or teams like the Magic or teams like, um, you know, the Suns, Spurs, Blazers, Grizzlies, all those teams in that range there. You just say, you know what? Let's compete. We like what we got. We don't have enough wiggle room to take a huge swing right now. Let's make some incremental moves if we can get a little bit of here, a little bit of there. All right. If not, let's roll and keep trying to win games, which, you know, in the tanking front and a big complaint about the league being tanking, I think that's a win for the league overall, but it's not a win for the intrigue of this deadline. But like I said, I think that's I think that's okay. But just don't expect blockbuster moves. We're not going to see Michael Porter get traded for Drew Holiday. We're not going to see Bradley Beal get traded. I think the Wizards might actually try to make themselves a little better, which is kind of crazy, but that's where we're at. We have teams who are like, you know what? We like what we're doing right now. Let's keep trying to do it and keep trying to win. But lastly, I got to go back to the Knicks here. I just want to rank a couple guys for the Knicks who, as far as players, I would like to see come to New York in this way. Uh, if it was, you know, to get, some give some salary cap relief to another team and get a young piece. Um, I just want to rank them. So with D'Angelo Russell, there's a price that's too high. And I really talked about this one the most, but he is the most wanted asset that I can imagine being available for the New York Knicks. Dennis Schroeder has also been talked about. I have a love, I, actually, I don't want to say love hate because I mostly just like Dennis Schroeder a lot, but as much as I said about D'Angelo Russell not being the guy, just being one of the guys, Schroeder's even more that person. So unless you can get him on the cheapy cheap, which is going to be nearly impossible the way the Thunder are playing, don't see it being realistic. But I do really like him as a player, as a six-man especially. But the Knicks aren't in the place for a six-man. He'd be the starter. So as much as I like watching him play, think he's talented, don't think Schroeder's the guy for the Knicks. Malik Monk... He's just another one of those guys in the Dennis Smith Jr. ilk, in the uh, Emmanuel Moutier ilk, Alfred Payton ilk, who is an underperforming lottery guy, who had a lot of hype out of college, who has talent but hasn't put anything together yet uh, as far as real worth in the NBA. It better be real cheap. It better be cheap. It better be, you know, like a Wayne Ellington type player on the Knicks, but then why the hell are the Hornets doing that? You know what I mean? And that's where I keep getting to in this point of the NBA trade season. Like, you think about a player you want for your team, or you think about a player you want for a team, and then you go, why is the other team doing that? 
Why why are the Hornets going to just give up on Malik Monk for what? For Dennis Smith? That's a tra- it's like an even trade of underwhelming guys who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And Dennis Smith ain't as good as Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham. Which leads me to Terry Rozier. I'm good. Sorry, Terry. You know, scary Terry. Don't I don't need you jacking shots in the Knicks. You're actually a more sound player, uh, I think, than we all realized. With the Hornets, you've been been solid for a team that's not very good, but you've been solid. Uh, but no, I'm good with you on the Knicks. And that's where I get stuck again. It comes down now to the Knicks and future assets. You don't want to give up your unprotected first. You just want to keep adding to those because those can lead to more trade chips down the road or hopefully draft picks with a leader, whether it be Scott Perry, one of these other agent people, or Masai Ujiri in a couple of years. So with the New York Knicks, my expectations are very low. I don't expect any sort of trade that affects much for this season, but I hope, if possible, Portis, Morris, Bullock can get us something back for a future pick purpose or salary cap relief purpose, but I'm sick of building around salary cap. If we don't get a younger asset or if we don't get future picks, this trade deadline is a failure. Now we shall see what they do. The rumors will swirl. I will try to be back at the end of this week or early next week to break down what we saw and what happened. But right now it's a lot of nothing. It's a lot of rumors. It's a lot of things that are going to change over the next couple hours. So I'm happy this podcast was very much so like, you know, overarching themes and ideals based because if I'm just going to try to talk specifics, the intri- like the intricate parts of these deals are going to change by the time the podcast is out. So hopefully you enjoyed the breakdown I was able to, you know, talk about with ideals and how to build a team what's worth trading, what's worth holding on to. And with the Knicks, there ain't much, in my opinion. Hold on to those picks. Hold on to Mitch. Hold on to Julius if you like him. Trade him if you want. That's fine. But Morris, Portis, Bullock, they should be on the block, and you should be getting what you can get out of those guys because they are not a part of the future of a Knicks winning basketball team. And that's just how I feel. So, Sports Block New York Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. As I said earlier, if you like what you've been hearing, definitely hit me on Twitter at P Kennedy with two Ys. Love to chat. Hoops with you. I love to chat. All things NBA, all sports, NFL, baseball. We got some trades. Mookie bets to the Dodgers, not to the Mets. Oof. That one hurt a little bit, but all good. Would love to talk about it with you guys as much as possible. So, definitely hit me on Twitter. And if you could be so kind, go on to the Apple Podcast app. Drop in a five-star rating. Drop a little review. It could take you 30 seconds or less. Uh, tell me what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more about. Give me a take. Give me something. I love nothing more than to hear from you guys on that Apple Podcast app when I sign into that and check out if there's any reviews. I get all jacked up every time I see one. So much appreciated to everyone who listens out there. Keep listening. I'll be here continuing to talk all things sports, New York sports, and everything else you could imagine. So that's it. That's all I got to say. You know, I'm Pete Kennedy. Have a great day.